I'm John DiLiberto, and you're hearing the Echoes podcast from PRX. Today, I've got a musician who many of us has known as something else for quite a few years, and we remember a pioneer of electronic music whose landmark recording, released 50 years ago, still sounds great. The mystery man is Bob Boylan, who we have heard in one capacity or another on NPR for decades, most recently as the host of All Songs Considered and creator of Tiny Desk Concerts. Turns out he's also a musician who's put out some very moody ambient albums, including his recording Hidden Smiles, a Pandemic Reaction. I live alone. I don't go to the stores. Isolation has definitely affected what I make. I don't interact with humans. <laughs> then we remember Malcolm Cecil, a pioneering electronic musician and co-founder of Tonto's Expanding Headband. This was a duo who constructed an incredible synthesizer array and then created some beautiful and prescient music with it. Before we get to that, let me tell you about Echoes Online, our streaming subscription music service. You can get all 10 hours of Echoes programs we produce each week, a backlog of some 30 or 40 plus programs, plus exclusive online-only streams. And you can do it all on your free Echoes app. If the public radio stations in your area are clueless or you want a more convenient listening time like whenever the heck you want, find out about Echoes online at echoes.org. And now I put Bob Boylan on the other side of the tiny desk. Today I've got someone who many of you have heard of and even listened to, but not as a musician. Hi, I'm Bob Boylan. I am the uh, host of NPR's All Songs Considered, creator of NPR's Tiny Desk Concerts. But that's not at all why we are talking to Bob Boylan today. He has been a tastemaker on public radio for three decades, exposing music he loves. The music he hasn't exposed, however, is his own. He has released several recordings as a solo artist and with the bands Danger Painters and Tiny Desk Unit. That last moniker is the one that inspired the Tiny Desk concert name. Up until now, you wouldn't find Boylan's recordings on any of the streaming services. It's as if he wanted to be invisible as an artist. Invisible, uh, no, but um, the beauty of what I can do is to make music and not care that it reaches a ton of people. And, uh, and do music for the love of doing music, and if 35 people hear it, that's awesome. I'm happy. That's a noble sentiment, but it does a disservice to the music, especially with his new album, Hidden Smiles, a darkly textured, gently immersive album of pandemic-shrouded ambience. speaking to Bob Boylan on Zoom. He 
sitting in what looks like his very neat bedroom. An electric guitar lies in the corner, a keyboard on the bed, and a mandolin hangs on the wall. He looks younger in his mid-sixty years with a boyish face, round horn-rimmed glasses, and long light brown hair shading to gray. If you listen to Bob Boylan on NPR's All Songs Considered, you know he's a music junkie and he's been that way for all of his life. He worked in record stores and eventually started playing music in the Washington area with Tiny Desk Unit. I started playing music 42 years ago as an electronic musician in Tiny Desk Unit, which was the band I was in in Washington, D.C. back in the late 70s. bought an ARP Odyssey and started uh, uh, making music. And at that point in my life, I wanted to be a musician that had opportunity to play in front of lots and lots of people. And uh, we did some of that in our little two-year existence. Tiny Desk Unit was kind of punky and aggressive, as is his other band, Danger Painters. But the music he made on his own is quite a bit different. Many of his early albums were very avant-garde, including this piece he made when he got access to a synclavier, the Rolls-Royce of synthesizers in the 1980s. His rock bands and early solo works like this one sound little like his more recent music, but Boylan, here's a connection. What you hear when you hear that music and you hear Tiny Desk Unit music and you hear my music is my interest in texture. It's not about like love songs or talking about your heart. It's not playing four chords. It's about making something that's an adventure in sound. And I think that's what those three things have in common. You can hear that sense of texture more readily and less dissonantly on his album Hidden Smiles, but that sound was presaged by a pair of albums on which he did cover versions of songs. Undercovers and Further Undercovers also gives a sense of the music that is in Bob Boylan's DNA. The songs I've chosen from David Bowie and Roxy Music and others are music that have meant a lot in my life but they're set melodies already, and I don't have to play those melodies. Those melodies exist already. The way he makes his cover tunes is a bit like instant music, using something called MIDI files, an acronym for Musical Instrument Digital Interface. If anyone doesn't know what MIDI files are, they are if I sat on a keyboard, an electronic keyboard, and played notes, 
it creates a digital file that says, here's the note you played, here's how hard you played it, here's how long you held it down for, and other little nuances. So it's essentially a high-tech piano roll. That's right. Thank you. That's a, that is the perfect way to put it. To be honest, I didn't play a single note. All of that music are these MIDI files that exist in the world. Like people have made these MIDI files of these songs. I'll you know type in "Will You Still Love Me Tomorrow" by you know Carole King and Terry Goffin, and there's a MIDI file. And I take the MIDI file, and then I assign you know the various pianos and drums and whatever other instruments to my own creations of sounds. Or maybe you know I'll turn a David Bowie singing into a, a trumpet or something of some sort. <laughs> Not directly a trumpet, but obviously sample stuff. Bob Boylan's description sort of undercuts what inventive arrangements and reimaginings he has affected with these files. smiles, Bob Boylan played the notes, but he has a similar approach to the arrangements to make the quintessential album for 2020. This is how he describes it on his Bandcamp page. An album of original ambient instrumentals of morning listens suitable for a walk to clear your head, have a sonic adventure, or drift off to sleep. It's an album born in pandemic. I live alone. I don't go to the stores. Isolation has definitely affected what I make. I don't interact with humans. <laughs> Several of the titles are direct pandemic references like COVID Town, and of course the tragically poetic title of the album itself, Hidden Smiles. So Hidden Smiles, which I wrote during COVID, was uh, after a day of walking the streets and where I live and everybody wearing masks. And I'd walk by people smiling and you can see just a little bit of cheek come up in them where they smile back or sometimes you couldn't. But that's the idea is that these masks that we all wear, the expressions you know, on our faces. shrugs off his titling, however, as just a requirement of technology. You know, it's funny about titles is that computers force you to give something a name. And so, like, I'll start working on something. And then when I walk away from the computer and just to take a break, I want to make sure I save it. And then at that point, I have to title it. And so now I've spent some time with this piece of music. It's not fully formed in any way. It's a shape. It's a thing. I've had some sort of a day that may have influenced my mood, and, and so I try to type something to convey both my mood and uh, 
feels connected in some way to the song. That sense of isolation already distorts time and recording on your own bends it even more. You can hear it on the song, Still Spaced. It was one of those very, very late creations. You know, when you sit in a room and you make music by yourself, and especially when you're dealing with uh, more ethereal sort of tones, you get pretty spaced out and lost in your world. Time changes, you know, time stretches. And I think uh, still space reflects that alone, late night. You really don't have any idea what time it is. Some of the titles are more targeted than he might let on, like November 2, 2020. It was the night before elections, and uh, I wrote that piece of music thinking what an absolutely horrible year it's been for our country and for for all of us, life-changing. My politics, you know, I try to keep to myself, but I won't hear in saying that I did not want the current president to be the president again. I just could not imagine a world like that. And I felt very, there was a tension in me that I wasn't alone for both sides and how they felt. And I I was, um, there was a glimmer of hope in there, but there was also tension there. And I was trying to calm myself too. And so some of the sounds and stuff were (laughs) self-healing or hopeful, hopeful and healing. Whether creating the textured moods of hidden smiles or ripping your head off with the danger painters, Bob Boylan says his goal is the same. What I want from music is adventure. I want a sonic adventure, and that adventure could be relaxing, and that adventure could be like, well, where'd that sound come from? I've never heard a sound like that. I mentioned earlier that Bob Boylan's music wasn't on streaming services, but after I talked to him and after this feature was first broadcast, he emailed me to say that our conversation inspired him to put Hidden Smiles up on streaming sites. So it's there now. You can also find Hidden Smiles as well as both Undercovers albums on Bob Boylan's Bandcamp page.
I'll have a link for Bob Boylan's Hidden Smiles in the posting for this podcast at echoes.org. And while you're there, check out the Echoes CD of the Month Club. We pick our favorite albums every month and send them to club members. Albums this year have included Jeff Johnson and Brian Dunning's Ravenna, Steve Roach's Tomorrow, and in May 2021, London Grammar's Californian Soil. Go to echoes.org, read our reviews, and check out the Echoes CD of the Month Club. That's at echoes.org. And now a sad moment as we remember Malcolm Cecil. It has been 50 years since his band, Tonto's Expanding Headband, first took flight on the 1971 album, Zero Time. You may have never heard that CD, but its influence reverberated throughout space music and popular music. Just look at the credits on 70s albums by Quincy Jones, the Isley Brothers, Minnie Riperton, and many others, and you'll see the names of Malcolm Cecil and Robert Margoleff, the creators of Tonto. But their best-known connection remains Stevie Wonder. Wonder's brilliant mid-70s quartet of albums, Music of My Mind, Talking Book, Inner Vision, and Fulfillingness's first finale were midwifed by Malcolm Cecil and Robert Margoleff, along with the Tonto synthesizer. Malcolm Cecil unplugged for the final time, leaving us on March 28th. He was 84 years old. I got to interview Malcolm Cecil a couple of times, once in the early 1980s in my Philadelphia apartment for the radio series Totally Wired. The second time was in 1996 with Robert Margoleff. That one took place in the Mutato Musica Studios of Devo's Mark Mothersbaugh in Los Angeles. Tonto was being housed there at the time. Kimberly Haas blows her mind and circuits with Tonto's expanding Ned Band. In the Mutanto Musica studios of Devo in Los Angeles, 59-year-old Malcolm Cecil is negotiating a spaghetti of wires, cables, and keyboards, hunched under the imposing presence of Tonto, an acronym for the original New Tombrel Orchestra. It's difficult to believe that this lumbering behemoth of knobs, buttons, and blinking lights, set off in ten modular curved cases, produced the sounds of the influential 1971 album, Zero Time. Born Malcolm Cecil was a classically trained bass player, turned jazz musician, turned studio engineer. Robert Margoleff was a lapsed operatic tenor, turned film producer. When he needed music for his self-produced movie, Chow Manhattan, he bought a Moog synthesizer and became the house synthesist at Media Sound Studios in New York, where he met the house engineer, Malcolm Cecil. They began working together and slowly started acquiring electronic modules. The Moog synthesizer was still a novelty in 1971, and Margoleff and Cecil, coming from straight music backgrounds, 
weren't sure their first piece was even music. Yeah, originally Aurora uh, was 27 minutes long, and it's one of the pieces that Bob was working on when we met. I said to Malcolm, I'm not even, not even sure this stuff is music. It turned out to be, I, I suppose it's a very sort of primal piece. It's sort of ageless. After getting a label deal, Robert Margoloff and Malcolm Cecil began composing the music for zero time. By now, their synthesizer had a name, the original New Tomberl Orchestra, or Tonto. And that spawned the name of the group, Tonto's Expanding Headband. It was a reflection on the psychedelic culture at the time. That was where the expanding headband concept was. I mean, you know, the, the play on words. and uh, the, 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 that, was, that was the right out of the silver 60s you know it was uh, we were totally into the psychedelic culture many of the elements we take for granted with synthesizers today took painstaking and circuitous paths to accomplish with tonto both margalev and cecil would play the instrument simultaneously one performing the melody while the other shaped the notes it's more than playing like piano for four hands i mean we have programs which we were doing then and now which are totally interactive. One person's performance while he's playing affects the other person's performance. Firing up Tonto, Malcolm Cecil gets Echo's producer Jeff Town to play a bongo that is electronically linked to the synthesizer, while Cecil plays a keyboard. Okay, you get the idea. <laughs> so, so Tonto does play live, and that's just a bass line which is controlling the other synthesizers, and so only one person has to play the musical line, but the rhythms are all interactive. This is a rough and ready demo, but a more precise example can be heard on the piece River Song, on which Cecil and Margalef synthesized a voice. It was a, our attempt at voice synthesis. The melodic lines were I was playing on the keyboard and Bob was creating the words and we, we, we worked together to create the sound that, that uh, ended up being the vocal which is somewhat unintelligible but we had terrible difficulty making consonants and K's and the, 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 the one thing that still irks me to this day that I always wanted to fix was uh, the, the line in there which is the whole major line in the whole thing is, is uh, I'm the river, I'm the river, but I'm not the current. And it comes out, I am the urrant. <laughs> Tonto would probably be a tiny footnote in modern music if one day Stevie Wonder hadn't walked into the studio after a bass player named Ronnie Blanco played Zero Time for him. And he played the album to Stevie, and who, he told Stevie that uh, this was a keyboard instrument that he needed to check out. So, lo and behold, uh, there's a ring at the bell, and it turns out to be Ronnie Blanco. He says, oh, come down here, I've got somebody here to, to wants to uh, check out Tonto. Anyway, so we went into... Um, into the studio, and who walks in on Ronnie Blanco's arm with our album under the other arm is Stevie. And uh, he came into the studio. Never and left for six years. Well, he certainly didn't leave for the next four days. I called up Bob and said, 
get over here. We've, uh, Stevie's interested, Stevie Winder's here and he wants to play and he wants to record. And the first weekend we put down 17 songs. Why do you infest our purest thoughts with hatred? Robert Margaleff and Malcolm Cecil would produce and play on the four quintessential Stevie Wonder albums, Music of My Mind, Talking Book, Inner Visions, and Fulfilling This's first finale. They went on to produce hit albums for the Isley Brothers and Minnie Ripperton. And then Margaleff produced Devo's Freedom of Choice and Shadowfax's The Odd Get Even. Cecil had a long-time producing relationship with Gil Scott Heron. Now they're reviving Tonto, trying to capitalize on the techno sound that they helped inspire. Malcolm Cecil and Robert Margaleff are well abreast of contemporary technology, but they still think, 25 years later, there's something special in Tonto. It's an instrument, okay? And it's one kind of an instrument. There's no other instrument like it. It has its own process and its own thing. And after all, there's a few things you can say about an instrument that was designed on a tablecloth. Kimberly Haas bringing us Tonto's expanding headband 25 years ago. That album, Tonto Rides Again, is long out of print, as are their other recordings, but they are up on streaming services. Next week in the Echoes podcast, the solo piano duo, Grand Brothers. You'll hear what I mean when they talk about their computer-charged, mechanically and humanly played Grand Piano. I'm John DiLibretto. This has been the Echoes podcast from PRX. See you next week, tonight, on the radio somewhere in the country or at Echoes Online right now or whenever you want. <laughs>